Welcome to machine learning. Um, so, one of the ways to look at uh, data is to analyze spread. Um, so it's like, uh, if you looked at spread, it'd be the difference between min and max. And, uh, and then you can also get the uh, mean and median. Median. So what mean is, is this your average? So you take your total divided by into the sum of the parts and that gives you your average. And uh, the median is what point is 50% above, 50% below. So that's the midpoint. And, uh, and, uh, and what variance is, is the distance uh, uh, from the um, from the mean uh, and uh, you square root uh, you sum the square root or square distance and uh, and then you also have the standard deviation which is uh, um, can be determined from the variance. And you can just look at those equations for variance, standard deviation. But um, at some point, you get into what they call uh, quantiles. And you want, quantiles are what value is in the 20, 25th percentile and the 75th percentile. And so you can actually uh, you can break your data up into five quantiles and that becomes what uh, you, we call a box plot. And why that's important is uh, we can look then on those box plots for data that... Uh, Um, that uh, uh, is in the outliers, and that's an outlier groups is what I've been starting to think that's important for when you look at standard deviation. So if you take a group of people and then you want to see which ones are the high performers then uh, you, can, uh, you can calculate the IQR and then uh, you could also see what, uh, who, what population is in that 75th percentile and you can get an upper and lower threshold and then you can use that upper and lower threshold to see which individuals or uh, categories are in the outlier groups. So the outlier groups is a simple calculation. You can also do it automatically by just feeding your data into a box plot. And it'll show you uh, the, the number of outliers that you have. But if you wanted to actually see which outliers they are, then you would have to build your filters with an upper and lower threshold uh, based on, on a, a value that you're you're attempting to extract.
Now, why are outliers important? Well, they can show you that uh, there are certain groups that are outside the the uh, range of of uh, of the population. For example, if you were looking at the weight of animals, you would see that an elephant, a water buffalo, and maybe a rhinoceros, um, their weight is considerably more than the other animals, including the crocodiles, which they can get very big too, and uh, weigh several hundred pounds, but they won't weigh in the tons, like the hippopotamus or the elephant or the crocodile and so these outliers uh, can um, be studied to see if they're what the significance of that uh, design is but you can also do that probably with the weight of trucks too uh, and and it will be that the electric trucks are going to be far heavier than the diesel trucks and so now the question will be which will become more dominant the electric semi electric big truck or the fuel cell semi and the electric uh, fuel cell stack uh, truck and so far, those are the two options that you're going to have. We don't have a car, a, a truck that uh, commercially sold that will run on Browning water or, or uh, you know, has an on-form uh, hydrogen reformer. We don't have that. And uh, even though it's possible to generate hydrogen fast enough to run a truck, you can um, have an on-board reformer small little unit that sits in the back of your bed of your truck and it'll produce hydrogen on demand so it has a catalyst uses electrolysis uh, it can actually feed electricity from the truck that it's uh, once it's generating from the alternator into the electrolyzer which will produce hydrogen and i and I actually kind of thought that, uh, you know, that commercially there might be that trend for to then create cleaner burning engines uh, by giving the hydrogen boost. But that didn't happen. Uh, manufacturers saw no value in offering that hydrogen boost to their consumer to improve efficiency. I mean, you could have improved efficiency let's say to 70 miles per gallon for the diesel truck. But then there was a conflict, I think, because then what would be the motivation to move away from the hydrocarbon fuel-based system that dominates the world to electric? And there wouldn't be this big push that way, but you could see with the surge of Tesla that they're they're looking at these big trucks and they're looking at not only big trucks, uh, uh, but they're looking at them for like semis and, uh, and uh, they're looking at them to, uh, to try to enter into that realm. 
but the big trucks typically are diesel based and the reason why is that they get the high torque uh, you know they weigh lots of uh, hundreds of tons some of them and uh, and so you've got to have a power generation system that can pull but why couldn't it have been a hybrid you know that we've had hybrids with diesel electric for trains for quite some time so could you move from 13 miles to the gallon uh, could you move to 100 miles to a gallon using diesel electric more efficient trans for uh, transformation from matter to energy and that's always the question is how you could get these uh, uh, engines of creation or these micro mills that produce lots of power and uh, <clears throat> you know the fuel cell stack is pretty bulky, but I imagine as uh, they begin to get better at tra transferring the energy from uh, to, to gather the electrical current, either from uh, from uh, electrons or um, you know hydrogen electrons, if they got better at uh, producing those. Uh, electric uh, effects then they would uh, get more efficient and we would start seeing maybe cars that uh, run on uh, very efficient uh, micro mills the size of your hand so we really do live in a time where the technology could surprise us and uh, once the, you have a surprising technology that can outperform the existing technology you'll have disruptions like Tesla where he was able to build the large production plants and once he had those large production plants he was able now to capitalize on the marketing and the quality of his products and people liked him I mean I think it was really intelligent of him to understand the essence of how the electric car operated um, problems in the dilithium or in the lithium batteries and you know capitalizing on understanding how the battery works and today we've got some of the best batteries in of all time where they you know they don't crystallized they don't have the fires I don't think they've really understood the, the lithium-6 lithium-7 uh, extra energy unity uh, issues and I think they know about them because they've known about that extra energy calculation uh, when they detonated the hydrogen bomb and it had produced more energy than they originally calculated and it had to do with the lithium-6 and 7 but we know, what if you get a vehicle that can utilize time energy transfer, transform or tap into that? That would be uh, amazing considering, you know, we've known about uh, battery circuits and how that works, but we haven't really tapped into free energy yet. And so the idea of these micro mills uh, sounds fantastic. It, it sounds... Uh, 
like almost like sci-fi, you know, um, impossible to create, but yet they've done it in the past. They've had these uh, devices that are capable of collecting energy and running cars. And, uh, you know, you would have then, uh, uh, you would have a drop in the uh, consumption of power or consumption of uh, fossil fuels. And these cells then would gather this energy from basically the ether. And, uh, and the utility companies would uh, just charge you for usage of, uh, of their system uh, for backup or something, you know, but uh, basically you would have access to free energy. So your energy cost for transportation would go near zero. Your cost to, uh, you know, heating, cleaning, uh, cooking, cooling, all that would go close to zero. And so the monopolies that have controlled uh, energy would suddenly be faced with uh, you know, now a, a proliferation of energy where energy was so abundant, ubiquitous, that it was um, almost free. And, you know, we're at a time in, our, in the era of mankind where those type of thoughts uh, should start to prevail that, uh, you know, you have low energy nuclear reactions that now is becoming commercial that was once uh, uh, shunned by the scientific community, which no longer could be ignored. And, uh, and then you have uh, zero-point energy, which uh, is energy when you go down and you see vibration in the molecules at negative 274 Kelvin. And, and that, that uh, drives you to uh, think about what could be possible with, with uh, access to you know, such abundant amounts of energy. Would you then uh, have vehicles that could operate on uh, maglev or anti-gravity? You know, uh, so you have to have, have anti-gravity vehicles like they had in uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, you know. Uh, the introducing us to these fantastic technologies that um, historically have been thought to be impossible, but yet, uh, you know, you, you see the possibilities of these anti-gravity aircraft, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, the hollow earth, you know, where they came up with the hollow earth in the movie. And, uh, and you know, what, uh, what effects that you would have you entered into this high density gravity you know like a crushing gravity and then as you got into the center of the earth where it's hollow then would you know there be a lack of gravity at certain points so they you know the, it's interesting physics that have to be explained of, of what is gravity is gravity we were taught in college gravity is uh a product of mass so you could calculate the uh, pool of gravity in terms of mass so uh, if you have two objects in space you could calculate the gravitational pool uh, that one body has on another 
so you could then predict uh, speed and direction of that pool based on where the masses are. Or if you have more than one mass, you could also calculate the three-body problem, which would cause, uh, if it's in rotating, uh, a wobble. And, and uh, so the three-body problem then for prediction of, of the symmetry and rotation of the solar system is, is uh, you know, could a planet get out of its fallout of its orbit just based on the gravitational pull, and the answer was probably not because uh, you know you don't have that three-body problem where there's a wobble, so there you know there would be nothing to, to move the planets out of their gravity orbit around the sun. But then you know that's based on the assumption that you know gravity is only influenced by mass. But uh, you know, with comets, it, it could be different, you know, it could be different, but maybe gravity is an energy. So then we, you start thinking, okay, if gravity is an energy, could that really lead to an anti-gravity uh, aircraft or a car that is uh, run on anti-gravity? So these are pretty sci-fi type of thoughts, but... Uh, you know, something to research and definitely, uh, as you look, think about it, uh, you know, they, they could uh, open up uh, other possibilities in the 21st century and change the way things are being done, the way we we move ourselves, the way we, uh, we take care of ourselves. And, uh, you know, will people eventually live in a cities in the cloud, you know, like uh, uh, Star Wars. It's uh, it an interesting concept, you know. Will you have hotels that uh, take you up into space? You know, you have these large aircraft that can fly up into space um, that, you know, don't need the expensive hydrogen rocket boosters to to get them up into space, but they could use anti-gravity engines. Um, so, uh, you know, the technology will be surprising in the future.